0: Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey everyone, this is Molly Christensen with the Building Heroes Podcast. And this is episode 31, and today I am so excited for our guest with me today. This is Rachel DeMille, who I am super excited to hear from, because she is the wife of Oliver DeMille, and they are the co-founders of Thomas Jefferson Education, also known as Leadership Education, and I have loved what you have put out into the world for us to look at and think that this can't possibly work when we first hear about it. (laughs) And then when you start implementing it, you're like, wow, this is actually really good stuff that can work, like most true principles (laughs) that we can't see how they're going to work at first. So I remember I actually went to my first homeschool convention in, say, probably the year, I think it might have been 1999. And my, um, I had been thinking about homeschooling, but I thought there's no way because I'm way too disorganized. I don't know how to do this. So I went to the homeschool convention. I heard your husband speak and I was kind of blown away because I was so new and I didn't know what was going on really. And he said something that Popped out to me from his talk. I didn't get much, but he just said, read the classics, read the classics. And I was like, well, they're kind of boring from what I remember from my AP English class, but he had a pretty good case for me to start trying it. And so I went home after that and I started thinking about reading the classics just thinking about it, right? And I thought, well, I don't want to start reading some of these really hard ones like I did in AP English. So I started reading young adult classics and kids classics. And as I went along, I was like, well, these are actually pretty good books. I'm enjoying them, but I didn't really get it, right? So it really was more of a process, but that's kind of where I started on this path to learn more about leadership education. And then somewhere along the way, I got to meet you. And I was just so thrilled because I'm like, she's one of my heroes. <laughs> she does. Wow. She's so amazing. Anyway, so Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey to down this path and how you came up with TJ Ed and all this stuff.
1: Well, that's, uh, you're, you're asking me to tell the story of my life. Let me see if I can, it's too much. <laughs> Let me sum up.
0: <laughs> okay. Summary is good.
1: Because <laughs> it really has been the story of my life. And that's kind of the message of leadership education, that your life is a story. And there's a, there's a dramatic arc to it that depends on, on you know, it's, it's almost like, have you ever seen one of those kids novels where you get to a certain place and there's a choice to be made? And if you do this, you turn to page sixty-three. And if you do that, you turn to page seventy-two. That's that's the that's the path. That's the path of the hero. That's the path of leadership education, where we we have these choices, and we we in in part it's self-determining, and in part there's a there's a sense of a higher purpose that we are playing a part in. And in 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 my life, it started out as I'm the youngest of six kids. I have a sister who's four years older than me, and when I was I guess about 17 she got married to a a professional educator and they decided to homeschool their kids and I, I mean, I must have known what that was, but I didn't have any like form. I was 17. It was, you know what? I didn't care. (laughs) But I watched the way their family unfolded. And and I had always wanted to be so close to this sister of mine. But the four-year difference was always a little bit of an obstacle. We were never in the same school at the same time. We never, you know, were running in the same orbit. But she meant a lot to me. And I always watched very closely. And as they decided to homeschool, and they had one daughter, two daughters, three daughters, ended up with um seven daughters and then two sons and another daughter so they've got 10 kids and i remember seeing their family culture and how distinct it was i'd never met a family like this the way these girls were just best friends to each other and the way there was just this comfortable familiarity between the parents and each other and the, the parents and the kids and there was like a peace and a harmony in this family I thought, wow, I want that for my kids. I want that with my husband. And it's not that my own upbringing was turbulent. I had always thought I had kind of a charmed childhood. But like every kid, you analyze what worked for you, what didn't work for you. And I saw something in my sister's family that was just, she had the special sauce. And I'm like, how do I get that? And then I met Oliver. We married and... Obviously that's a whole nother story, but in the course of um, him traveling and speaking, we were in San Diego and and for him to do a training at at a school there, a private school. And they arranged for us to stay with a family who had children in the school and we became fast friends. Now this family at the time had, I wanna say six kids and guess what, it was the same thing. I saw the, the the comfortable familiarity of these these kids. There's teenagers, there's lots of them, and they liked each other and they liked their parents and they were kind of cool. And I'm like, oh my gosh, These guys have the special sauce too. How do I get that? And, and I remember sitting in her this is the, this is the Logan family. They still live close by to us now. Their kids are all grown and doing their thing, but um, I remember sitting with Sherry and saying, Sherry, your, your girls are like laying across your, your, they had one of those uh, sectional couches and they were like draped. These, these girls were like draped across each other, like a litter of puppies. <laughs> 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 sitting there. One was like braiding the other one's hair. And the other one was, I don't know, massaging that one's hand and they were just talking and laughing. And I'm like, my mind was blown that there was these teenagers, quote unquote, that weren't teenagers. They were, they were youth. They had, I mean, obviously they were immature in their way. I saw times when they were just spoke sassy to one another or where they didn't want to get their chores done. I mean, they, they were just people, right? But there was there was something special about their default position as a family. It was peaceful, it was harmonious, it was idealistic. And I wanted that. And I said to Sherry, what do I have to do? How can I have what you have? And at the time, I think I think I had two kids, possibly three. You know, they were, and my kids, my first three came close together. So I was only, you know, like two years into the, the parenting gig. And she said to me, Rachel, you're going to do just fine. You're going to have this. You're doing everything that you need to do, and it's going to happen for you. And Over the course of the next few years, as Oliver was going through, he was in the Air Force at the time, he was in officer training, and um, he was working on his bachelor's degree. There came a point where, um, because of some health problems, he was given a medical release from his contract with the Air Force. And at that point, it was like, now what? He had thought he had his whole career, his whole life planned out, and now all bets are off and it's time for him to decide something a totally new plan and so he he questioned everything and together we we decided he he had been doing some private mentoring with um a man named Cleon Skousen who was um something of a scholar and an author and a great speaker and his focus was um the principles of liberty he was a historian and it just really resonated with Oliver, and he just felt like that was his mission, and so he came to a difficult decision to leave college, even though he only had 11 credits left to complete his bachelor's, he felt like it was getting the way, getting in the way of his studies, (laughs) so he walked away from a a dual scholarship, you know, crazy high grades, lots of opportunities, um, you know, people who are trying to get him a into Harvard and just he had all of the you know great expectations and the, the doors were, were swinging wide for him but um, he just felt like the most important thing that was happening for him was the this private mentoring with Dr. Skousen and so he left college to, to work more closely with him and 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 to work on some projects that he was doing and in the course of that became really focused on the idea of how how really singular the founding generation was because they had so many people at the same time in the same place who were just really ready for their hero's mission they were ready for the moment that call right when when you know the the whole world was upside down and they had to be writing the the Constitution and the Declaration, and, and standing up against the greatest power in the world, and Oliver was asking himself, how was it? I mean, there's his, there's heroes throughout history, right? There's there's lots of stories of amazing people who did amazing things, and some of them with very little advantages but they were able to thrive and and do what they were born to do. But the thing that really captured Oliver's fascination was there were so many of those all at the same time in the same place who met such a a world-level challenge. And he had in his, you know, just in his heart, this sense that he was going to live to see another challenge like that one. And that it was sort of written on his heart He had a role in preparing that generation to be the next founding, if you will. And the next question was, well, how do you get somebody who's that ready when they're 24 like Thomas Jefferson was? How do you get a James Madison who was so young? How do you get them to be that level of excellent and prepared? Well, they didn't just like, All of a sudden, in, in, you know, 25 minutes say, oh, guess what we need to be and do it. It, it. It started in their youth. They studied long, hard and effectively in their youth, in their teens, to be ready for that moment when to answer that call. And so then the question became, well, if we're going to have a generation like that in our day, how they can't be average teenagers. They have to kind of really focus their youth the way that Jefferson and Madison did. And so how do you get a youth to do that? And so we sort of deconstructed the path of what does it look like to raise a youth to that? And it led us to kind of discover and articulate the phases of learning, which is what does it look like in the very early years to be prepared, be preparing a 24 year old Thomas Jefferson? What does it look like in the eight to 12 years to be preparing for that? What does it look like in the 12 to 16 years and so on? And that was the phases of learning. And too often we think, oh, well, you know, we gotta we gotta leap right to the 16 year old level. And we, we that's kind of what has happened I think in mainstream education is we, we want something amazing. And so we go right to training at an adult level or at a, at a Jefferson at 16 level when we haven't really laid the foundation and leadership education isn't just rigor and study in your in your adult years it is rigor in your study in your adult years but it's also play and family and work and love and sing in your 0 to 8 years and so that's that's kind of the journey that that we've been on once we discovered the phases of learning and raising our own children and learning more and more of the application, it's become like this whole paradigm with things that are available for every age, from our This Week in History project to the Ed the High to the Black Belt and Freedom for Adults. It's, it's every little thing has its expression for that phase of life. I don't know. Did that answer your question? <laughs>
0: Yes, I love that because I'm not sure I ever heard all of that story before about how you decided to start coming up with all of these principles. And I mean, I know it's called Thomas Jefferson education. I figured you went and just saw what he did, but
1: well, interestingly enough, it doesn't really mirror Jefferson's education in some ways. it. I mean, you can see similarities, but Jefferson's education was a response to the world in which he lived. It was in context of that time. We can't just copy him. We have to take the principles and say, how does that apply today? Right. And with that, that's what became leadership education is how, not how do we copy Thomas Jefferson, but how do we answer the call the way he did or be prepared to answer the call the way he did. And that path is going to look really personal for pretty much everybody.
0: Yes, absolutely. Now I love that. I know because I thought of that too. I just didn't think of it long enough to actually go find the answer because I'm like Thomas Jefferson probably had like tutors and and things like that to help him study the deep classics, right? And you know,
1: he did have a mentor in his in his late youth, yeah. In his, and, in
0: and for us as homeschool parents, sometimes we think, well. You know we can't really get a tutor or a mentor full-time you know so it's us instead that that can either find the opportunities for our children or lead the way ourselves and so but yeah it it is really all about i mean if i were to put it into a nutshell it really is what you're saying at the beginning it's actually being conscious in choosing your own adventure Mm -hmm. that's what those books are called i love those when i was a youth (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's that's really what it's all about is being aware enough to know that we don't just have to let life sweep past us and we have to just go with the flow but that we are here on earth to serve other people and that we have talents and skills to share with others and that as we consciously choose to become better and improve ourselves then we will be stepping into living up to our potential. And when you talked about um, Oliver and how he started wondering how there are so many amazing founders all at once for the founding of America who were all prepared at the same time. Uh, (laughs) That was so amazing. And then he started feeling like he needed to do something to help prepare another generation like that. Wow. That just hit me right here and I'm like I
1: felt that too. I felt did. like a, a real like witness.
0: This yes. matters
1: right now really deeply.
0: Yes. Yes, because I mean, we look at the world and we're like, yes, we need people who are prepared to stand for good in this world right now. And I'm so you, you could look at Oliver's story and think well, that was dumb not to finish up your college
1: education. Well, for what it's worth, he actually did eventually go back, but he he didn't want to miss that opportunity when it came.
0: Yeah. And I actually have heard some very wise people say that if you're already in college or you're thinking about going to college, do that unless you have a better opportunity. <laughs> right yeah so i mean sure college is not for everybody but sometimes people think oh i don't need college and then they don't do anything better right <laughs> you right. know
1: <laughs> everybody everybody needs a higher education for some people that's college for some people it's i don't know but we yes. all need a higher education
0: yes cuz too many of us i remember thinking this this when i graduated well from college but still whatever you graduate from sometimes you start thinking I'm done. I never have to learn again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so sad. (laughs) So, yes, we do. We all need a higher education. But, you know, I, what I think really attracted me to Thomas Jefferson education was this whole idea of training our kids to go on their own paths instead of the path that the world prescribes for them and teaching them that they, Have a purpose in life and that they are enough as they are but that as they progress and learn they can fulfill their mission now you know it was pretty bold of your husband to drop out of college and start teaching (laughs) and because there's all sorts of stressors out there so how did that affect your family life you know after you started to do this (laughs)
1: Well, it was wonderful. It was terrible and wonderful. It was, I mean, he was on the road a lot. And I remember, and sometimes I would travel too. And I remember, um, you know, with all of our little kids, when, when dad would be going out of town and one of them would say, why does he have to go? And I used to love to sit with the kids and say, you know why? And I'd explain to them that he was on a mission and that he had a purpose. And on the, the occasions where once in a while I would go speak at a convention or whatever, I would bring the kids around me afterwards and say, let me tell you. And I and tell them what I, what I spoke about. And inevitably there would always be two or three people afterwards who would come you know, with very tender feelings and share why it was important to them that they were there that day and what, and what they took away from it. And I would share those things with my kids and tell them, you know what, you're on a mission too. You're, you're part of this. You're, you're supporting mom and dad and doing what we were born to do. And, and we're doing our best to help prepare you for the day when it's your turn to go out there. Now, ours is kind of a unique situation. I don't know how I mean, you have to translate, because not everybody's going to have a you know public-type mission as it was ours to do at that time but we can still communicate to our kids that what we are engaged in matters deeply to us and what our very personal feelings are about it and what, how, how we're trying to make a difference and where we see that difference. Cause sometimes it's in ways that are very tangible and it's, and it's easy to say, point at it and say, look, this is why my mission matters. And other times it's a very, um, sometimes it's a, a, a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's, it's, it's other stuff. You have to look for your own metrics to be able to communicate this is how I know this matters. And being able to include our kids in that whole process even though they were very young, they had a, they had very reverent feelings about the sacrifices they were making. They felt like they mattered because you know, dad was out doing this and, it, and and he was trying to make a difference in the world and their sacrifice was contributing to that. So, um, ultimately, uh, I mean, he was speaking in stadiums of 16, 20,000 people and, you know, wrote a New York times bestseller on freedom and, in the process of all of it, we had some family tragedies that, that really took their toll on him emotionally. We, we have a son who had a traumatic brain injury from a car accident where my husband was the driver and that plus, uh, I don't know, just some other, other things just kind of weighed him down physically to where his body just kind of gave out. He, he, he became, um, he he ended up with an endocrine insufficiency that almost took his life and uh he's still not a hundred percent i honestly don't think he ever will be again i think that but our new normal is just gonna we're, we're fine with it we're, we're we're very settled in our our home with our little mini farm and and him being a very hands-on dad with the adult kids and our two that are still you know we have a 15 year old and 17 year old But it, 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 like every hero's journey, there's those little dramatic things where you have a choice to make and there's sacrifices that you're called on to do. But I can say that even in heartache and uncertainty, when we're willing to embrace the peace, it's there. When we're willing to claim the, the sense of purpose, it's there. And... It's not, not just for me but for everybody you know that's having that sense of direction and knowing that it's it's worth it and it matters and you're you're doing the right thing. I think we all have a right to know where we stand if if our life is pleasing to God and if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean because sometimes I think that a lot of people think that, people that are public figures or who seem to be living their mission or whatever have it so easy but but, you know, <laughs> but that's the whole thing the path is not comfortable when you listen to that call to action and you act it gets you out of your comfort zone so
1: yeah. much it does it does and because of the you know because of the level in which Oliver was operating for so many years he's come in contact with a lot of people on that level who have a very public type mission and i can attest knowing their personal stories nobody gets a pass when you're out to make a difference you will be opposed when you Absolutely. speak you will be misquoted when you act you will be persecuted for it there are enemies to freedom there are enemies to every worthy mission and if you haven't yet been misquoted or mischaracterized, you know, either you will be or you're not actually doing your mission. <laughs> <laughs> so so why would anybody want to do it then? Because
0: it's so worth it and it's right? really fun. <laughs> and you probably just, I mean, I know you do. You just, because you're living in this mission I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for here is, but you're just living in this mission. You're mode. in his own. Yeah, you're, you're in his own. Zone. Zone. You have chosen your own adventure, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it's the right one for you and you feel confident about it. So when the things do come up, you just you can deal with them.
1: Well, yeah, and and there are times when, I mean... You don't know where the money's going to come from for, for your bills, or you don't know when, I don't know, everybody's got their thing, how you're going to deal with this child who's struggling with that or this health issue or whatever. It's all a part of it. It's not a distraction from the mission. It's part of it. Somehow it fits and the answers come.
0: They do. They do. You know, you told me, we were chatting before the podcast and you brought up this idea of that you wanted your kids to be anti-fragile. <laughs> Why don't you give, me, give that little explanation because I, I, I love the, the picture this
1: brings into my mind. <laughs> okay, well, um, as part of our, our leadership education um, you know, offerings, we have a thing called mentoring in the classics. And that's where there's a, a monthly title of you know a, a book that we cover, and Oliver records an audio introduction to it, and I help him prepare a study guide. And then at the end of the month, we have a family discussion of that title, and we record that. And um, we've been doing this now for this is our eighth year, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of cool talking about a hero's journey, watching our you know. The very first time Eliza shows up in a recording, which which was, I think, month number four, and she's all, and stuff, and, you know, and um, and (laughs) she's just the whole teenagerisms, we're talking like the youth that she was, and now she's a two-time published author with her voice, and when she speaks, it's like, it's got some gravity to it, and watching that process of her going through it, anyway. that was just a little aside sidebar but back to your question which was about anti-fragile this last month the title that we had scheduled was a book by um authored by the name of Taleb and it's called anti-fragile and the the premise is there are things that are fragile things that when you mishandle them or you know just in the course of whatever they do and will break there are things that are resilient which if you cause them harm they can bounce back right and then there are things and he he struggles with it because there's not a word in english for this where it's the opposite of fragile resilient doesn't quite get there fragile things break when when you when they have some sort of insult to them Um, resilient, they just kind of go back to how they were. But anti-fragile is where it it puts itself out there and takes advantage of opportunities. And when the bumps come, it doesn't just bounce back. It literally transforms into something more potent, more creative, more effective, more, more. It it transforms. He uses uh, the some some examples from from Greek stories. There's the the sword of Damocles, which hangs over the man who wanted to be king, and 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 that's fragile because anything happens and he's a goner, right? He's not coming back from that. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the phoenix, which you know rises up from the ashes as good as new. And that's the resilient one, the, the one that bounces back. And then he talks about the Hydra, which you mentioned was kind of a bad guy. And okay, but but <laughs> it's, it's a fun example where you cut off one head of the Hydra, and two more grow back. Every time you try to do it harm, it becomes more powerful. And so, yeah, I had this top of my mind when you were asking the questions of, of, you know, what I wanted to, to, how I wanted to raise my kids. Anti-fragile is it, because these are challenging times. Mm -hmm. Our kids are gonna be going through those, those situations that are generational challenges generational challenges and I want my kids to not only not crumble under it and not just bounce back from it but be the kind of people that others can say she's making it he's doing okay I can too be the kind that not only see you know how to get by but to thrive Mm -hmm. and to innovate and to be prepared so that they can lift others through it. They don't, they're not just surviving. I want them to thrive in crisis because guess what? We're, We're in crisis. Here. We're here. And I want my kids to thrive in it.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that. You know, I, and that's probably what every single parent would want. I mean, I say probably, but what parent wouldn't want that for their kids?
1: <laughs> you know, Only the ones that have never thought about it. Yeah. And that's one of the important things that's of the classics, true. honestly, that's why, that's why the classics, because it gives us thoughts that are higher than our own, that, and, and it's got the genius of the ages of, of all these great ideas that inform the way we think and the things that we think about and the words that we form and the conversations that ensue. That's why the classics matter so much because you come face to face with greatness. And all of a sudden, just like I was saying about how people will look at my kids, hopefully and say, oh she's not rocked by this. Maybe I can be strong too. The classics do that. We get to see all of these, you know, wonderful situations and come face to face with greatness and we're lifted by it. And we conceive of ourselves as being heroic because we sort of identify with the hero in these stories, or we conceive of ourselves of being sacrificial or of being forgiving or of being whatever, because we come face to face with that in the classics.
0: Yes, so true. I mean, when I was introducing you, I told you that I started reading young adult classics and children's classics because I couldn't really tackle the (laughs) adult classes, classics. (laughs) But as I started, as I, it really just started with me starting to get into the great conversation. And as I kept going over time, I mean, I can't even really pinpoint any time that this happened, but over time, it really just started becoming part of me and just started clicking and started being who I was. And like you said, I could start thinking that way. And it's raising that level of thought. And it is true. We, we want the best for our kids, but if we don't know what the best for our kids is, how are we going to get them there? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I know a lot of moms feel like they're way too busy to, you know, and they felt like they're done learning. I, I felt like that for a long time <laughs> to, to start studying more and reading classics. But really the way I started was, is I just started reading them aloud to the kids, you know, Amen, sister, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not like it has to take extra, you know? And then eventually I was like, Hey, I can read in five minute snatches, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. And now we can totally just listen when we're driving everybody all the time too much, sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in in the car. There's ways to fit it in. And it really is life changing. But I think part of the problem is we live in this world where we think everything should be in <laughs> we want it like this. We want it instantaneous. And well, it and really we, just we don't
1: we don't time. own that we actually have choices. Yeah. We don't say, well, I could. You know, turn off the radio and turn on an audiobook, or I could—I um, uh, don't know—perish the thought, not have the kids in three different sports this year, but maybe just one. I mean, you—you you do have. We all have the same twenty-four hours, right? We all have the same three hundred sixty-five days. It's up to us to decide what do we value more? And sometimes it takes externalizing it and saying, what am I choosing over this? And say, do I actually value that more? Or is this just momentum? Or is this just me doing what I thought it was gonna be like or being like my neighbors or, and none of those are bad things, but at what cost? If we really are valuing something else, but saying too bad I can't have that. We gotta stop and say, can you not? why not? And come face to face with that choice. Own. I am choosing this, not this. And if this is the right thing, then you need to switch it up and do whatever it takes to get back to this. And if this is the right thing, then stop pining over, oh, too bad. I can't have that. Because no, if this is right, then yes, claim that and, and be solid and centered in, I chose this on purpose and this is what I want. It comes back to that choosing your adventure, knowing what is right for you and your family and just doing that and not letting the voices or the momentum or the guilt or the whatever derail you from really claiming the blessings that the opportunities that come from that choice.
0: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So true. So we're almost out of time, but I did want you to just touch on maybe let's do this. Tell me your favorite principle of leadership education. You have seven, and then later you added an eighth. Is that right? Or am I mixing you up with Cubby? No,
1: you did fine. The seventies okay. of great teaching. There's actually even a ninth. <laughs> oh, there's a ninth now. Wow. Go
0: check that out. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tell me, tell me your favorite principle. I actually probably could write them all down. And I remember one time you said, write all the principles down, and the one you can't remember, that's probably the one you got to work on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a really great thought. I better do that.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, so so,
1: um, tell me what your favorite one is, and just okay. give that to us in a nutshell. Just for clarity, you're referring to the seven keys of great teaching, yes. and you can learn about those yes. on Org when you click on about. Um. There are several that I think are powerful. The mentors, not classics. The, the, I'm sorry, mentors, not professors. Yeah. (laughs) um, Classics, not textbooks. And the not is sort of a, it's an operational word that 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 doesn't mean to negate that. Of course, there are textbooks that are are worthy under certain circumstances, and of course, there are professors that are worthy under certain circumstances. It doesn't mean never. It just means where do we put where yeah. do we put our focus where do we put our emphasis? Yeah. Um, there's simplicity, not complexity. Time, not content. Um, but probably for me, my favorite one. I mean, there's inspire, not require, which is a really powerful one. And I, I almost choose that one, but for me, it has to be you, not them. Mm-hmm. It has to be you, not them, because if I am doing what is mine to do then I will not neglect to teach my children correctly. If I'm doing what is mine to do, I will model for them what it looks like to live a hero's life. I will model for them what it looks like to to be focused on my mission, to say no to the right things and say yes to the right things. If I am doing what is mine to do, then they will just, internalize the value of doing what is theirs to do. And if everybody everywhere did what was theirs to do, oh, that's the world I want to live in. Because yes. people are good to each other. People are are forgiving, they're kind, they're unselfish, they're courageous, they're virtuous, they're diplomatic. They're wise. When we do what is ours to do, we can claim every worthy blessing and attribute that we seek because that's the way that path goes. So it has to be you, not them.
0: I love that. And I probably would have picked that one too, because for me, I mean, that has made such a difference in the way I raise my kids and homeschool my kids, because partly what it allows me to do is it allows me to let go of all the control that I feel like I have to hang on to when I'm trying to make them become the person I think they have to be.
1: (laughs) Which never works. (laughs) It never does, and yet we
0: keep trying it anyway, (laughs) you know? But yes, whenever I start finding myself shifting back into that mode, I have to go back to myself and say, where can I change me? To do what is mine to do. You know, I can also still say, how can I help this child? It's not like I'm completely ignoring them, but well, that's
1: part of yours to do.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. But at the same time, it's really just me letting go of that control and allowing my child to go on their own journey because I know that they're an amazing child And they're going to make mistakes, just like I have on my journey. So as I've been going on it, I can see how it works. Yeah. You know? Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to share your message. Because, you know, it really is encouraging to see how other people can go on this path And feel happy and feel successful as they move along because like I said you know I've always admired you and what you have done and in fact we didn't even talk about your mission but it's obvious that you're doing it (laughs) And, and but yeah the thing that I would like to say though too is like sometimes we do start thinking well I could never be like that but That's just not right. It's all about the choices because you already are like that in there. There's already that potential inside that you can live your mission in life. And we need more people who will choose that and make those choices even when it's hard. Well, it's going to be hard. So, but it's okay because it's the right path. So why don't you let our listeners know how to find out more about you and TJ Ed and Mm -hmm. the cool things that you have going on right now. And it's awesome.
1: Um, First of all, our website is tjed.org. That's T like Thomas, J like Jefferson, Ed like education. So tjed.org, not com. Mm -hmm. And There you can review our blog posts. There's a store there where you can see what products we have. We have lots of books we've written and some subscription products like I described with mentoring in the classics. Um, Two things that I would say are really worthy of mentioning right now is the Freedom Convention is going on right now. And I'll come back to that. Um, My watch beeps. I've never had a beeping watch. I'm not sure if I can live with that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the, the thing that I wanted to up first is uh, our TJ at High, which is a um, classical mentoring service for youth that really takes them right where they are and helps them become that Jefferson-style student in their youth so that they're on track to transition into depth and mission phase. And TJ at High, you can learn more about that at, at tjh.org T-J-H. And a new semester is enrolling right now for, for the summer coming up soon. And it is, it has exceeded all of our expectations in terms of what, is it, what it's accomplishing for the youth that take part. And my husband, who used to teach college courses, says that the, the third and fourth year students that he's mentoring in TJ at High are every bit the, the sophomores and juniors that he used to teach at college level. It really is phenomenal. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is we currently have the TG Ed Online Freedom Convention just went live a couple of days ago. It is all on, on demand for streaming and you can download the content so you can keep it and listen at your leisure have it on your little you know memory card and play it in your car or whatever put it on your phone it is the message for this time I mentioned that Oliver's had some health struggles I got to tell you I've never seen him as on, on fire as he is for this convention since the 90s he, th- he was born for this. He was born for this time. And he was born to deliver this message to this time. And I hope everyone will share it far and wide because it's optimistic. It's practical. It's solutions oriented. It's deep. There's things that you're going to hear there that you won't hear anywhere else. And it's going to make a difference. And I really hope a lot of people will particip- participate in that. If you go to tjn.org, just right there on the, the, the first splash page just below it, there's a, a, um, an image that you can click on to take you right to the convention details. Also, you can just go look for it in the shop. And if you're on any blog post, there's a little widget there, the way you can click on it from there. So go check out the convention, join us there. And, um, we mend the, the contact page pretty closely. If you have any questions I can help with, I'd be delighted to hear from you.
0: Yeah. And I just wanted to add to, with the freedom convention, it's not political. It's, no. It's learning how to navigate these times of crisis and what's coming. And like you said,
1: it is so hopeful. And one thing that- Well, and it is decidedly nonpartisan. It's our intention that people who love families and freedom link arms no matter where they stand politically because that's the only thing that's gonna be able to turn back the tide that is seeking to take away our freedoms.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say too, one thing, Oh, I don't know if this is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. But he says in it, you know, we often hear the phrase um we don't want to waste a good crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't it, let a good
0: crisis go to waste. That that's the one. I knew I wasn't going to say that quite right. Don't let a good crisis go to waste and we kind of think of that in terms of, you know, negative like somebody's going to come take over, but it applies in the same way for changing the tide for more good more freedom too so I love that anyway so before we end here do you if you were just to give one piece of advice to a mom who may or may not be homeschooling but wants that culture that you've been describing that special sauce what it, what would that
1: advice be? I'd have to make it two things. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> one is read the classics with your kids, and don't don't if you you find one that's boring, put it down. <laughs> start in the realm of your delight. One of my favorite ones to start with with young kids is Little House in the Big Woods or Charlotte's Web. Um, mm-hmm. You know there are others. In fact, we have on our on our um, on our website under the resources tab, look up classics because there are several recommendations there. Yeah. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get a PDF that has scads of them based on you know the level of interest and including a bunch of math classics, which a lot of people struggle on how to go there. And anyway, yes. so that's one, read aloud with your kids. The other one, I would have to say, you know what? I, it would probably be the blank page brainstorm where, on a weekly basis, take a moment to ponder with a notebook and a pen on each one of your children individually and ask yourself, what is mine to do this week to be a blessing to this child? And it's important to note that it, it, it should not take the form of a to-do list for the child. But this is actually a to-do list for me or for you, where it's, um, well, She's been begging for a set of calligraphy pens forever. And that, boy, what, what would that unleash if I actually got her those? Or he needs help to organize his blah, blah, because his room is out of control and it's just so discouraging to him. So what if I helped him to purge this and organize that? G- give yourself a to-do list. That's a blessing. Maybe the little one needs a little more cuddle time. Maybe I need to find out what the love language is for that, that youth that I'm not connecting with. Whatever it is, you might get a long list, you might get a short list, might be some of them just don't pan out. But if you do this on a weekly basis, you put yourself in a new mindset to where you are actually becoming a mentor and you are listening to a voice that really should be the counseling voice, not the one that's you know telling you you stink as a parent and you're not measuring up, or not the one that's making you worry about this or that, but the one that's actually giving you constructive help. When you get in tune with that voice, it really unleashes a lot of power in your home that leads to that special sauce. And both of those that I mentioned, by the way, are represented in our book, The Five Habits of Highly Successful Homeschoolers. Those are two of the habits. There are three more, and it's it's worth your time. Even like you say, if you're not homeschooling, but you really just want that special sauce in your home, that's what that book's all for.
0: Yes, so awesome. I concur. These things do make a difference in our homes. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I appreciate you taking out your time. And yes, we will talk again next time. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on building heroes in your home, get the free building heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com.